What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Right, everyone, welcome to Shaken and Disturbed. I am Darren Carp. As always, I am your daddy cat on the mic. Wicka wicka ow. Oh, 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 oh. And of course, I'm here with my lovely mama bear. My, oh. my mommy. I'm here with my mommy, oh. John Thrasher. Oh, now we're getting into the weird stuff. <laughs> mommy to mommy with like the weird affect. I don't know if we can do that. Mommy. Mommy. Oh, God. I know oh my, my mom. God. Oh, by the way, speaking of mommies, yeah. correction okay. from um I think it was NMR when we were talking about John Waters. I said pink mm. elephants and I meant to say pink fl- flamingos as the movie ah. that he did with Divine. So Ah. Well, listen. We my bad. Only- we don't need to end up like some of these other true crime podcasts that get dragged through the mud, Darren, for not getting their facts straight. Well, I mean, to be fair, who doesn't confuse an elephant and flamingo on the <laughs> regular? The They're very yeah. similar. I if... can't think of more opposite things than that. But right. you know what? It's fine. But it's that's fine. cool. It's fine. It's pride. Yeah. We're still in pride technically when we're kind recording. of recording this, but <laughs> we're not at pride anymore. Wait. But, what? I just realized something. Were you thinking of the Madonna song that goes, Pink elephants and lemonade? No, definitely not. No, 100% no. not. Okay. No, definitely no. not. No, no, oh. no, 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 okay. no. no. Oh. Uh, I am a lesbian woman, not a gay man. I right, just... no, no concept. Got yeah. it. No concept of that. No concept I don't even know what that song is. So, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> I'm just reading my books. Moving right and along. Moving right That's along. That's right. That's right. You're you're in a library and you are hiking. Absolutely. That's what you lesbians do. By the way, I wanted to say that one of my best friends tried the microdose gummies that we talked about on the show recently, and he absolutely loved them and went off and ordered his own. I was telling him about how much you love them too, Darren. You guys probably remember us talking about microdosing recently. If you search around on the internet, you'll find like all sorts of people are microdosing to feel healthier. Our show today is actually sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. My friend was actually thanking me because he felt like he was a million times more creative and he had some, you know, issues with anxiety and he felt that it really helped him handle his nerves. And I mean, this day and age, can't we all get a little bit, little bit of help with that? Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, just do a quick search online or go to microdose.com and use code SHAKEN to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description, but again, that's microdose.com, code SHAKEN. Absolutely. If you want to hear about how wild John's pride and ours, <laughs> how wild our pride was, you need to listen to this week's NMR or also go back <laughs> a previous week and listen to John's strip club story because oh that, that was a loud and proud moment well, for all of us, I think, John. Well, anyway. Yeah, the strip club story on NMR is called Gay Rights. And oh, yeah. wh- when better, what a oh. better time to talk about gay rights than now. You know what I mean? Yes, of course. And, you know, there's been a lot of things in the news recently. So check out our NMR because this case we really just want to um, focus on something that is kind of near and dear to Johnny and boys yeah. in our hearts. Because we we did cover Marsha P. Johnson on Martinis and Murder 
We did. Years ago. Maybe three years ago or something. Two or three. Yeah, I'm forgetting. I want to say it was 2019 only because that was World Pride, but I could be easily wrong about that. So please don't come at me with that. But I can say I think it was 2020 because I remember uh, doing the research right here at my desk. Really? I do remember that. Even though we were, but maybe okay, I'm wrong. Let me let's look into it later. Who cares? Well, yeah, I know. That shows I was dead. Say like, like this pandemic, like, it just time know, has flown in a weird way. But it has, it has. Um, if you haven't checked it out on Netflix yet, The Life and Death of Mar- yeah. Marsha P. Johnson, it's about hour and forty minutes. I watched it. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. But to be fair, if you know about Marsha's story. Um, you can follow right along. It's not like we're giving spoilers to that doc no, or anything like that. So we're just kind of honoring her life and how she wanted to be seen. Um, and I thought the doc did a pretty good job of at least trying to uncover the mystery of what happened to her. Because I got to say, yeah. and I don't know if you remember this, John, but when we were covering Marsha, and it's like she's one of those figures that a lot of people and not a lot of people also kind of know about. Totally, I'm, I, I'm yeah. not confident if my parents would know who Marsha P. Johnson is. Like she, right. they they know what she represented, of course, but I'm not sure that they'd know specifically her. It's also very New York. I'm I was not just sh- gonna say that. Yeah. You know, I don't know if like the San Franciscan gays understand who Marsha is, but regardless, for the gay movement, for the Pride movement, just for honestly yeah. being in my a beacon of someone who just unabashedly themselves, um, yeah. I think this is a really important case to cover. And I didn't realize, John, and maybe you did, yeah. and, and right. maybe it just been. How much of a mystery was really surrounding her death? Yeah, I, I didn't until I didn't um, get it until the this, documentary. Exactly, yeah. I didn't get it until this specific doc of how much there's a lot of foul yeah. play, how kind of weird it was. I think people chalked it up to suicide, but when you really go through the weeds of it, it's like, wait, that doesn't kind of track for anything. No, it doesn't track, and we're we're gonna get into. We should just get right into it. Actually, Let's do um, it. how that statistic or that information rather is still very much a statistic that transgender people deal with today. Yeah. You know, yeah. but get into some of those facts. Cause yeah. of course it's, a, they are for lack of a better term here, they are pretty disturbing. They very much are. And like Darren said, we have talked about Marsha P. Johnson before, but we haven't talked about her yet on this show. And we wanted to pay homage to her to remind people of these staggering statistics that you just mentioned of surrounding trans death in particular um, in 2020, so we have the the most recent data that the human rights campaign has is for 2020. I think um, there will likely be, of course, 2021. HRC stands for Human Rights Campaign, not necessarily for Hillary Rodham Clinton. Although <laughs> that's right. Both both are st- both similar. are accurate. It's just we're talking about the human rights campaign. If we say HRC, uh, exactly. that's what we mean. Not yes, Hillary good Rodham call Clinton. actually to make that point. Yeah, well, because exactly. HRC, everyone, I don't know. I guess yeah. nowadays it's like Clinton, Clinton, Clinton. So yeah, right. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. So we'll be talking about HRC throughout this as we've sourced them throughout a lot of our information. And in 2020, at least 37 transgender or gender nonconforming people were victims of fatal violence, and that's according to the HRC. And I and I um, and I just want to put that into perspective because obviously, like. 37, obviously, you know, a big number, but also in the grand scheme of things, doesn't seem right. that big. You know, like 37 people died in Chicago yesterday. You know, like right, of course. it doesn't seem that big. But if you think about the percentage of how many people identify as trans, which is usually right. less than 1%. So the pool of people is going to be smaller than the whole population. So 37, you kind of have to magnify that number. I mean, that's actually a pretty... Yeah pretty high percentage for that small percentage of the population. That's such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That is such a good point because 37 does sound like a quote unquote small number. But I mean, when you think about, I mean, most people listening to this show, right, I would assume, you know, probably don't either don't know any transgender people or maybe know one. I know I myself, um, having lived in New York City for 10 years and I'm an LGBTQ person and have participated in many LGBTQ events over my lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, I really only have one transgender friend. And of course I've met them throughout the years, but you know, 37 if you if you think about it is almost one transgender fatality per week. It's not, you know, on average it's not every single week, but it's getting close to that. And that is a lot, especially with um, a minority that is being targeted and are likely the, um, 
you know, that is the reason they've been murdered, so right. to speak. So and, it's and, like, and especially back then, yeah. when Marsha was around. I mean, during the '60s, '70s, like, right. I can only imagine what it kind of was back then because I think people have. Yeah. For the most part, for lack of a better saying, I think that the trans movement has sort of overtaken the gay movement, you know, and in, in, in being at the forefront yeah. right now for for which is important. Because which is important. Absolutely. I think the gay yeah. issue for the most part, not with everyone, but I think for the most part as a nation has kind of it's settled well, law. We hope, right? Yeah, of course we hope. But I mean, I, I will <laughs> say if you just take the public opinion, I think yeah, most for people sure. oh, are for sure. definitely OK. Like well, I think above 70 percent are OK with gay marriage. Um, I'm not right. sure it's as high with trans rights. So I think that right. that's this is like their time to do this. Yeah, and we're allies a, in that kind of thing. Such a great way to put this, because when you say it's their time, because, you know, the, the reality is as human beings, I mean, we could get really deep into this and I won't spend a lot of time on it, but. You know, you think back to the civil rights movement in the 60s, right? Yeah. You know, you, you, you'd think, you know, at least in that, in those moments and in the years and the decades later, as a society, we overcame that. Although, of course, especially more recently, those, those conversations right. around race are maybe even, you know, hot, hotter than they were back then. But it takes time. And so, you know, I've been... As, and especially, Darren, maybe you, as as people who have been through movements um, like the LGBTQ movement, like especially gay marriage and just equal rights, which through most of our lifetime was the big fight, right? Like we spent most of our lifetimes, you know, I remember, I think I've talked about this on a recent episode where like I didn't quite comprehend even being able to be married until like late in college, let yeah. alone having children. And I remember... When Andy Cohen, your boss and and good friend, you know, kind of announced to the world that he was going to be a dad, I, that was like kind of the first celebrity that I was like, oh, sure. right, yeah, like I could have children. I didn't quite put all that together. For I some mean, reason. I worked with him when right. we got the right to get married, which it just seems. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's just maybe yeah. a thing of like. It seems so long ago and yet not long at all. I don't know how know. else to kind of quantify that, but um, right. but yeah, it's it's history is long and also very short. I mean, if you really think about <laughs> the gay rights movement, it's only yeah. been really like fifty years at the forefront of uh, yeah, that's I think true of too. a lot of things. And in, and in geological terms, fifty years is actually a pretty short time to change people's opinions. But it's a lifetime for other people who have to struggle with all of have this. And I'm obviously it. hoping yeah. it happens a lot sooner with a lot of other things but things right. do take time and so if you look at it kind of like that it's it's just interesting absolutely and yeah that's what i was getting at with the with transgender people is like of course we are all fighting for their rights and we want equality right. but at the same time you know because it is such a new thing that i feel like the public and society at large is sort of coming to terms with and and you know we've talked so much about representation like we're seeing more and more trans people on television in mm -hmm movies and i think that is such an important part of people just needing to understand and be educated about what it means to be trans because for so long we'll get or, into some of these details we've yeah. heard only negative horrifying things about these people you yeah know? i think people in general hate different um exactly. at, least, at least in the first part you know look at immigrants right look at right. anything look at yeah, anything there you that, go. of someone yeah. that might be different i think we other them very easily but if you really get down to it i mean i think i always say the best disinfectant is sunlight and just like the gay community i think it's 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 not even i mean it's 100 percent education of being like i don't think anyone wakes up and is like yeah i want to be trans like i don't think anyone wakes up and is like yeah i want to be gay right. like I, at least like you know it's harder to be both of those things in this world like it just right. is um it for is. better or for worse i'm not saying it's impossible but it's hard and so i always thought that the best disinfectant is really sunlight and it's exposure you know it's exposure mm -hmm. to finding out that hey maybe your boss who you really like and really respect and love going out with happens to be trans and so yeah. in your mind you're like Maybe they're not that different than me, you know. Maybe they are the same fucking exactly human being, just with you know different ways yeah. of expressing themselves, or you know, it's just. Um, I just find I always found the argument hard to believe that like people choose this shit, you know. It's like yeah. I wouldn't even choose to be left-handed. Right. You know, like <laughs> right. the world There's is that. oriented for righties. Like yeah. I wouldn't choose that. That seems yeah. harder. And that doesn't seem to be like an othering thing. So I always just, you know, I try and not, I try and not fall down that trap, yeah. but I do think, I think exposure is the best. 
Either way, sure. I'm getting off on a tangent. Marsh is no, the best. No, I love it. Sorry. I love Go it. Ahead. I love that. No, and it's all those are all great points. And by the way, as <clears throat> you know, as LGBTQ people ourselves, you know, we do feel a certain responsibility to speak out about these issues. However, I should make it clear, neither of us are looking to speak for trans people or um, their experiences because my God, like, especially with the one friend I know, you know, it, he goes through a lot and I don't want to speak for them. But basically what I'm trying to say is we are allies and we are here to share information about this particular struggle that so many people are going through. And the other thing yeah. is, and before I continue and I will make this quick is I think, you know, the sad reality about the statistics, which I'm about to get into, as I just mentioned, 37 transgender or gender nonconforming people were victims of fatal violence in 2020 is that I think that number as tragic as it is, is going to grow, but in a good, in the way that is because so many more people are maybe more willing to express themselves as they see themselves represented on television or they gain the courage by other means of, um, example and things like that. Yeah, that's so, a good way to kind of think of, of picturing the statistic that probably more people are more comfortable in being trans right now. So hope, the numbers yeah. are going to be higher as opposed to, you know, yeah, I, I think that's a better you know way I mean? to way do it. 100%. Okay. And sorry, there's a blue jay outside of my window, but you're going to have to deal with it for today's recording. Absolutely. Anyway, moving right along, guys. So more more details here just to give you a, a, a picture of the violence that transgender have to go through transgender people have to go through since 2013 when HRC started uh, keeping statistics um, HRC and other advocates have recorded at least 202 transgender and gender non-conforming individuals who are victims of fatal violence in the United States again this this number sounds very low but as Darren thoughtfully and smartly pointed out you know when you think about the percentage of people ratio. in our country yeah right, ratio exactly. that are transgender it's enormous in 2020, the HRC recorded 37 fatalities, as we mentioned, at the time of publication, which is, of course, the highest number they've tracked thus far in a single year. As mentioned, I think this number will sadly go up. We hope it doesn't, right? Like, we hope the more representation and the more people who are able to be true to themselves um, will spread only more kindness and more awareness and education about yeah. what it means to be trans. In 2020, at least 30 victims were transgender women, of which 22 were black transgender women. That's an enormous percentage of the people um, who were murdered and, and killed. Um, additionally, at least three were transgender men, three were non-binary or gender non-conforming. Gun violence, as you might expect, is a major contributing factor to the number of fatalities against transgender and gender nonconforming people. Mm -hmm. um, since 2003, more than two thirds. Since 2013. I'm sorry, since 2013. Thank you, Darren. Um, <clears throat> more than two thirds of the recorded fatalities involved a firearm. And we're not here to get into the firearm debate, you know, the gun debate, but as you might expect, you know, this epidemic, the the gun problem, I think that we can all agree we have in America, um, is affecting this community very directly. In 2020, at least 17 of the 37 fatalities involved a firearm or gun violence. So yeah, as you can imagine, gun violence is a very big part uh, of this situation with this epidemic, as I think it's called. Um, in the vast majority of states, there are no laws expressly banning perpetrators of violent crimes from asserting the victim's sexual orientation or gender identity as a so-called panic defense. Now, Darren, I'm sure you're familiar. You've heard the panic defense yeah. scenario, especially yes. gay panic. Essentially, essentially. if you it, the to put it in a like a loose term, because they actually talk about it in 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 uh, Marsha's doc. I'm not even sure how many. Like, I'm not even sure, like, which specific states, although I do know that New York up until recently actually had panic defense as part of their jurisdiction, which is kind of crazy. But essentially, mm. it's like, I don't want to say you have a right to kill, but you kind of have a right to self-defense if you are panicked and not realize that that person is trans, which makes no sense to me at all. Of course um, not. Because... Uh, you know, that could be like, I'm on a date with somebody and I didn't realize how fucking ugly they were or how right. fucking this they were. So it's just like, I panicked and killed them. Like, also, I want to just point out that a, a lot of this as a general statement is always to do with trans women. 
um, and violence oh, yeah. against women as opposed to trans men. Even though trans men, yes, of course. But I just think it's interesting that a lot of this panic defense stuff is from uh, men who think that they were broken well, right. up with a... Uh, biological, a biological female. female as opposed to a trans woman and that's really how it happens right. you don't really hear about it too too much in the reverse it's right. not really like straight women are uh killing trans men in the same way so this is very much <laughs> right. so violence against women which we see constantly yeah great point and the panic defense allows a criminal defendant to basically argue in court that their discovery of the victim's sexual orientation or gender identity caused the defendant's violent reaction, potentially leading to a reduced charge or sentence. When used in a case of violence against a transgender or gender nonconforming person, this is often colloquially called a trans panic defense. Thankfully, in recent years, a number of states have enacted bans, including California, Illinois, Rhode Island, Nevada, Connecticut, Hawaii, Maine, and New York. The passage of this legislation will help to end the legitimization, legitimate, legitimate, Oh, my God. Legitimization. Yep, that's right. What is wrong with my mouth and my head today of violence against transgender and gender nonconforming people and ensure that victims obtain equal justice, which is, of course, you know, paramount. I mean, yeah. the fact that we even have to discuss this is, is bizarre. Um, of course, as you can imagine, none of this was even a thing at the time of Marsha. Uh, Marsha's lifetime um, when she was alive and living in New York City in the early 60s and late 60s. Yeah, so let's let's get into her legacy, I think. Um, yeah. uh, Marsha's legacy was maybe unrecognized while she was alive, but today in the year of 2022, uh, it's one kind of all of us, I think, should really applaud. Marsha was born as Malcolm Michaels Jr. And I will say, uh, in the documentary, Marsha does describe herself. I think you can kind of um, use any type of pronoun that seemed to be right. You could say he or she. Oh, okay. Um, I missed that. I didn't realize that. Uh, like talking to her, her sister. Uh, she mm. was just like, whatever. And they kind of bounced back and forth. Also, transvestite was a term that they did use at the That's time. Right. So in case we do miss it, it's not us being insensitive. It's literally oh. the term that they had at the time. So that's just us kind of being um, honoring her legacy. So Can I Marsh jump in about that really quickly? Yeah, sure. Because I recently was talking to a friend who was describing something in a, in a, in a friendly, positive way. They were none the wiser. And they mentioned the word transsexual. And I thought to myself for a moment, I was like, wait, do I know what that means exactly? And I looked it up and, you know, again, which we sh should all do, let's educate ourselves around these term this terminology. But it turns out like, yes, transvestite is more derogatory these days. Now like it, in is. The yeah, 60s, it is. Right. Yeah. And in the 60s, it was more of a common word that people use for transgender people. But like transvestite, even transsexual is, a, is becoming a little bit of a term that like transgender people seem to not want to be used to describe them. Yeah. And it's all sort of funneled towards... Um, the word to describe people in this way is transgender. So yeah. again, as Darren just mentioned, we may mention a quote by somebody that says transsexual or transvestite or, you know, several yeah. other derogatory terms. It's all meant to be uh, for the record and is, of course, not something we would ever say. So Marsha was born as Mal Malcolm Michaels Jr. in August of 1945 in Elizabeth, New Jersey, which I've been to, and was the fifth of seven <laughs> children, according to the New York Times obituary. Marsha became a staple of the New York City gay scene in the early 60s. I mean, Marsha is Stonewall, if I, if I can kind of put it any <laughs> other know. way. After graduating high school in New Jersey, Marsha moved to New York City with $15 and a bag of clothes. We've kind of heard this before of a lot of, like, immigrants and others yeah. and people who just, like, started their way. And during her lifetime, the term transgender was not widely used, and she often to referred to herself as gay, a transvestite, or a queen. Just um, simply a queen. Which I love. Which she is. It was not yes. an easy time to be gay, as hopefully most of us probably by now know. And even though New York State downgraded sodomy from a felony to a misdemeanor in 1950, the continued persecution of gay people and criminalization of their activities were still pretty common. I mean, even today, they're kind of still common. For example, mm -hmm. same-sex dancing in public was actually prohibited. The state <laughs> liquor authority banned bars from serving gay people alcoholic beverages. This is actually why Stonewall, and we'll get into yeah. the story, was actually yeah, owned by will. the mob because the mob kind of took an opportunity like in a weird way as terrible as the mob is the mob doesn't give a shit if you're black or white or trans or not they just care about money they care about one color and that's green so if they saw an <laughs> opportunity to serve 
an underrepresented community. It really had nothing to do with about like representing that underrepresented community. It had to do with making money. So right, in a lot of right. ways, the mob actually kind of did create safe spaces, even though it doesn't seem like that. And it's kind of a weird thing to say, but bear with me on this. In fact, yeah. in 1966, a handful of gay men, including Marcia's friends and roommate Randy Wicker, who makes a very prominent um, display in this documentary, challenged this ban by staging a sip-in. And Randy and others were part of a group called the Mattachine Society, whose mission was to fight for gay rights in a time when there literally was none. Randy and others entered Julius, uh, which is actually a bar still around, and it announced they were gay men. They announced they were gay men and ordered a, order a drink, and they were, of course, denied service, as we said. Bands that served homosexuals ran the risk of having their state liquor license revoked. So We should say bars, not bans, but... Sorry, yes, bars we that served. <laughs> sorry, bars that served homosexuals, yes. and it's interesting now because we're seeing that a lot with weed legalization. That that's right. You know, uh, we're trying to see. You know, people have to pay in cash because they can't pay with credit card because it's technically not federally legal, and they could lose oh, some of their licenses for these things. And so, even though it's not the same thing, you know, certainly you're not going to get beat up by a cop sure. for smoking weed. I think the idea is very, very similar. And so. History.com reported that, quote, they went on to two bars in search of rejection, Howard Johnson's and Waikiki. However, both establishments served the men drinks. It wasn't until they got to Julius, a safe bet for rejection since it had been raided a few days earlier, that they got the response they needed to move forward and expose the discriminatory law. I will say Julius is a very, very small, very cute dive bar in New York City, very gay man. So I was going to ask fact if that, you've been there, yeah. I have many times, uh, even with Andy. And so the fact that they nice. have... Um, the fact that they refused just goes to show how scared they were that they got raided a few days before. And, right. you know, people could be charged with sexual deviancy for cross-dressing. Police enforcement mm. of homosexual crimes was seen as random. All of these conditions added up to a monumental challenge for Marsha and how she identified and how she wanted to live her life. Quote, Marsha P. Johnson could be perceived as the most marginalized of people. She's black, queer, gender nonconforming, poor. Uh, among, among those probably black and poor is going to be the most one that is just mm -hmm. like most marginalized people. Susan Stryker, an associate professor of gender and women's studies at the University of Arizona, told the New York Times that, quote, you might expect a person in such a position to be fragile, brutalized, beaten down. Instead, Marcia had this joie de vivre, a, ca a capacity to find joy in a world of suffering. She channeled it into political action, and she did it with a kind of fierceness, grace and whimsy, with a loopy, absurdist reaction to it all. And the people who knew Marsha the closest described her as a saint in some ways. Actually, transgender icon and her friend, Sylvia Rivera, who made very obviously is also in the doc, was mm -hmm. best friends with Marsha and remembers Marsha as a mother to me. In the 27 documentary, The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, which you can watch right now on Netflix, which is what we're kind of uh, doing, Sylvia dealt with homelessness later on, but she was just as much, even though she's white, or rather Latin, I think, uh, mm -hmm. just as much at the forefront of Marsha. Uh, they were just, yeah. they were, they were absolutely together in doing it. And, you know, Marsha is a really good example. If some people are pissed off about um, the recent Roe v. Wade uh, mm -hmm. decision, other things kind of happening in their community, um, Marsha is kind of the perfect example to me of yeah. You know, it's not a matter of yelling about the other side. It's doing things locally. It's doing things with small amount of changes. Um, I think that's how gay rights actually really, really got oh, to the yeah. forefront in the past, like, 20 years especially. And so it's really about the smaller changes. It's not so much about just, like, arguing of, like, we should be doing this. Like, Marsha was, like, literally boots on the fuck. I'm like, well, excuse me. Marsha was heels on the fucking ground <laughs> on of the this. Ground. Okay. Great Let me get it metaphor. right. Yes. That's great. I love that. I mean, you know, the quote you just read by Susan Stryker is like maybe the most, I don't know, it's just so inspiring. I mean, you have to think and remember that this is the 60s. There's no um, social media organizing. There aren't even really, you know, LGBTQ organizations that are standing up for anybody in any, any capacity, especially on the on the political realm. And so Marsha was like, you know what? I'm going to use what I have, you know, to my capacity to right. make a name for myself and not even for herself. It was about the movement. It was about, you know, and I, I say this to people, I, I don't want to sound preachy, but to, you know, whenever Darren, you and I have spent a lot of time speaking to people that are in the beginnings of their careers or are younger, maybe they're interns and things like that. And, you know, I always say just do the most you can because 
We all have a lot of capacity and we all probably know our limits. If we don't, that's fine too. But if you have something that really means a lot to you, go out into the world and, and use it to your advantage. And I would say like, I don't know if I don't want to speak for you, Darren, but even this podcast and just podcasting in general, being able to use this platform to bring this type of a story to the thousands and thousands of listeners that listen to our show is me kind of, you know, using my capacity in the sure. best way that I can. And that's really important to me. And it will, will we change the world with this podcast? Well, of course we will, but, yeah. um, you know, you, you no, can only the, hope. You the know? best thing for me, even from hearing from you is like how I might've changed someone's opinion about something. Yeah, like I don't even vote locally. I, you know, I have a lot, quote unquote weird political opinions. As we know, I'm, I'm a libertarian <laughs> and, I believe that human rights are human rights, and I believe that I own my body, whether that's with a vaccine mandate or whether that's with abortion, like I get to dis or legalization of drugs. I get to decide what I do with my body as a human being uh, born right. in this country. And so I feel that wholeheartedly, whether or not people disagree with me. And, you know, yeah. I have found through at least maybe my last couple of years of just being on podcasting, even from you, John, like when people come out to me and they're like, you really changed my mind about this or you know you yeah. really made me because you articulated you didn't make me feel like an idiot and you really like made me think about that that to me is so much stronger than mm. on a picket line for me and going out there just because it's like i do believe that the world can kind of change like one human interaction at a time not by people yeah. just screaming at each other with signs. I never thought that really helped. Uh, yeah. You know, even the Pride Parade, obviously it represents something good, but the Pride Parade is not convincing anyone to hate gay people less. It's yeah. the one-on-one -on -one conversations that we're having that making people hate gay people less. Yeah, well, you know, fair. So yeah. that's kind of how I view it. But obviously the parade is important. I'm not saying it's stupid. Well, I'm just saying that it's like, that's not changing people's minds in the same way as maybe this might be. I agree. Um also, uh, by the way, the New York City Pride Parade just happened a few days ago. Darren, did you, did you were you around? Did you do any Pride-related events? I, guess I, I did. If you, you listen to NMR this week, you'll oh, find out what I did. Right. Look at that tease. Look at Look that at little that tease. tease to listen to our other content. I love that. That's right. All right. Baby. Well, more. But the Pride Parade's so interesting, right? Because when you just, you know, you just eloquently explained so much of the. You know, the problems, you couldn't same sex dance in the streets or you'd go to jail. And now you think about Pride Parade, right. especially in New York, which may be the biggest one on earth. And it's you couldn't get further. Someone's away from sweaty that, man so. nipple like went into my mouth as I was trying to like cross the street. And then I got oh like headphones God. thrown at me. So I feel like we're oh. past the same sex dancing in the streets. Right. There you go. Well, yeah. more on that later, I guess, or on NMR, yes. I should say. Well, let's get into a little bit of the advocacy because there's more to Marsha in New York City than just gay bars and nightlife. She was someone who looked to stand up for gay rights and transgender representation in a time where, you know, the word, as we said, transgender wasn't really often used. She was an iconic, unapologetic personality who would take to the streets to protest for her rights and for gay rights. Amen. Sylvia talked about the movement in the documentary and what it took for her and Marsha to sort of stand up for what they believe in, saying, quote, we were the ones that stood the forefront and fought the cops off and we're the ones that didn't mind getting our heads bashed in, yep. quote, which I think is an interesting perspective it's, in that it shows that they're willing, <clears throat> excuse me, to just, you know, even give over their physical bodies if, it, if that's and what it, it takes. It on, that, that statement really struck me the most because sometimes I'm even scared now of stating an opinion for fear of just people chopping my head off. I feel like. You and I, you and I can struggle with having like even a normal conversation. We have to be like, we're not representing all these people. Like blah blah blah. Like we right. have to do so many qualifications for our right. speech now, and we're only doing that because I'd like to say that like, hey, I know who you are, John. Like when you say something to me, like I know where mm -hmm. your heart is. I know the type yeah, of yeah. guy you are. So even if I disagreed on something like that, I could be like, okay, but he's a good person. Maybe he didn't mean that way. I just feel yeah. like now with everybody, it's like the fact that Marsha was willing to get her fucking head bashed head in, bashed and I can right. be scared about having like one tweet or insta it just goes to show like how brave <laughs> the times have she changed. was yeah. yeah and how brave she is yeah absolutely was. i agree with Excuse you me. yeah yes was um carla J, the lgbt movement co-founder also noted marcia's place in the world saying quote marcia was very good natured she was funny she laughed but she shouldn't be mistaken for a lack of serious purpose and political intent which i think is a really important thing to do here because 
you know, especially because we don't have a ton of media surrounding Marsha, we don't get to see a ton of her personality like we would, you know, mod in modern ways. Let's let's put it this way: not everybody had a camera phone in their pockets yeah. as we do now. It's a very different uh, media landscape in terms of personalities and TikTok and Instagram and Snapchat. Um, so, you know, a lot of what we see is of Marsha, aside from the protesting, is flamboyant outfits sure. and, you know, gay bars and, and what I think people in the Midwest, for without generalizing them, would consider, you know, flamboyant and, and mm -hmm. over the top. But, you know, there was a lot more to her than that. So I think that was an important thing. And a New York Times obituary noted that Marsha's goal, which she spoke about for in an interview for a 1972 book, was, quote, to see gay people liberated and free and to have equal rights that other people have in America. Uh, with her, quote, gay brothers and sisters out of jail and on the streets again, end quote. Um, she also says, quote, we believe in picking up the gun, starting a revolution if necessary, she said. Yep. Um, so, again, she was just like, you know. She was a revolutionary. Revolutionary, yeah, that's a great way to put it. As we said, Mar Marsha was a key person in the dramatic raids that happened at the Stonewall Inn, which is a iconic gay bar on Christopher Street in New York City. It's funny because Nadine and I were walking by it the other day, and I was trying to explain, like, a little bit of the history. She's like, wait, that's where the raids happened? And I was like, yeah, no, that's, that's Stonewall. Yeah, I was that's like, it. that is Stonewall. Yeah. I was like, it's not representing Stonewall. I was like, that is where it happened. And right. she was like, can you take me inside? I was like, you might be disappointed inside, sweetie. It might just be better to stay outside. You will be. Yeah, I was like, you know, it's like a shitty dive. And yeah, like, I was going to say. But it's, it's historic a... and it's got dancing. But I was like, it's not like you're going to walk in to like a museum, babe. I was like, it's $5 right. well drinks at the bar, babe. That's what we're getting. <laughs> and um, I will say, we talked yeah. about this. I remember talking about this on Martinis and Murder. So we should mention it again that Darren and I have spent – some time together at Stonewall Inn for a certain friend's birthday party yes. back in the day. Yes. I've been there a few times. You know, listen, what happens at Stonewall stays at Stonewall. That's all I can say about that. Amen to that. You know? And mm. abs absolutely, you're going to have to listen to uh, a Patreon, I'm sure, to get that story out. <laughs> I was going to say. John. It, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, so this infamous police raid happened on June 28th. 1969, so literally over, <laughs> yeah, what, 31 plus 22, so like 53 years ago, almost That's to the right. day that you're listening to this. Yeah. Um, and according to author Martin Duberman, who wrote the book Stonewall, 13 people were arrested simply for being gay at the bar. And let's and take a second to just realize this. People just existing in the world at yeah. Stonewall. Not violating anyone's rights. Not violating, probably peaceful at this point were arrested for basically existing. And like, yeah. you, you know, we heard about, the, we, we know all the atrocities that have happened in our country that are, and I would consider way more severe than this in terms of slavery, in terms of the civil rights movement and how people like that were treated in the 60s and before that. But, you know, you, you think that just existing in a gay bar without bringing any attention to yourself would be a place in the United States where like you would be fine, no. They were they were arrested. And it's it's mind boggling to me. And it's in a way like we're so lucky, Darren, I feel like living in the time that we are living that in a sense, this all got out of the system of the United States so that we can sort of, you know, you know, that expression, um, somebody walked so we could run. I feel yeah, like we're in a place now where at least for now in the United States where we can run. I, I, I just find that stat so fascinating. I wanted to take a moment. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, the book also notes that four officers were injured and that nearly everything inside of Stonewall Inn was broken or damaged as a result of the discriminatory raid. Also noted in Duberman's book on Stonewall were the other severe injuries that happened that, that night. Quote, one protester needed stitches to repair a knee broken by a nightstick. Another two lost another lost two fingers in a car door. Witnesses mm. recollect that some of the most feminine boys were beaten badly. I imagine it's really right. all about appearance. It's not them like I was talking gay. That. It's them looking gay, you know, right. for lack of a better term here. And though many consider Marsha to be the first person to throw. And this is also, I think, why... The otherness happens more with trans, for sure, trans women than it does with trans men. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's a matter of just like I think feminine boys is very like antithetical to like what people think of men, and right. that's why it kind of bothers them so much. Which is exactly why like girls can be tom tomboys no problem, and they can right. like kiss girls and be sexy. But a boy with right. painted nails 
hooking up with a boy to experiment is gay, right? Like they they it's have gay, to be gay, right? It's like femme, it's exactly. You're not living up to the cultural standards it, of masculinity, and in, in a, a lot of thing. ways, it's still very anti-woman because femininity is bad. And femininity is weak, is how society is looking at this, which is why right. it's more of a trans fe- trans women thing than it is a trans man thing. Right. Um, not that it doesn't affect them. I'm just saying as no, a yeah, statement. No, yeah, of course. So though many consider Marsha to be the first person to throw a brick in this uprising against police brutality, there are some conflicting reports, according to the New York Times, although I think metaphorically we could say that she did throw the first brick, uh, sure. whether or not physically. She seemed to be just one of many people at Stonewall that day who resisted the police during the raid on the bar, uh, according to the author David Carter, who wrote the book Stonewall, The Riots That Sparked the Gay Revolution, mm-hmm. Sylvia Rivera, Marsha's best friend, remembers the moment the police began the ra- raid, saying, we were dancing, my lover and I, the next thing we know, the lights came on. We were being raided. Queens started being filed out and being put into police cars. Guns had been drawn. Molotov cocktails were flying. And I'm like, oh my God, the revolution is here. Thank God. <laughs> Those, I mean, I, imagine being like attacked by the police and that's something you think of. I mean... What an incredible person. You well, know. and you must, I mean, like, it's interesting because I wonder how they would prove any of this in the court of law. Like, totally. Th- was it so corrupt that the police could just be like, hey, there's a there's a fag over there. Well, like, they should be arrested. Or is it a matter of like, no, you have to prove that John was hooking up with a boy in the bar. Right. You know, I, I, I don't know the quality of law that this. Well, I'm you glad know. you're touching on that because that is one of the questions I've always wondered is like, Okay, we know the police raided Stonewall. The the riot began. Pride, in essence, is born, in a sense, right? But, like, who, like, what is happening behind the scenes with the police? You know what I mean? That's, we, we hear a little bit about it in this documentary. And, by the way, like Darren has mentioned, please go and watch it. It's fascinating, um, especially because it does a great job at sort of, giving a look at what New York City even itself was like back in those days, which I find always really interesting, like the evolution of cities in and of itself. But, you know, you just wonder who, like, who's the, like, you know, the the hateful person sitting at a police desk that's directing all of these police to go and do this shit. That's and that's where I'm. I just want to like dig into that to those details and like find that hateful person. But yeah, anyway. No, it's it's that's true. And this raid sparked and obviously began the gay rights movement that many of us are still fighting for and speaking out for today, specifically for trans issues. The first gay pride parades were formed in the years following the raid on Stonewall as a message of solidarity. And today's pride parades in the U.S. are still a message of protesting our rights and equality, but also a celebration of how far we've come as a society, that's true. even in the last decade. Hell, even in the last eight years. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well... You know, we've come a long way since the 60s, as we've said. Um, you know, tragically, Marsha was unable to see her protests and her work come to light because her body, unfortunately, was found floating in the Hudson River near the Christopher Street Piers in New York City on July 6th, 1992. Yeah, and which is her... almost exactly 30 years ago from when you guys are listening to this. So That's keep right. that in mind. Yeah. Yeah. And though her death was a, ruled a suicide at the time, of course, many have speculated um, about this being true, given the state of the LGBTQ rights at the time, given the, you know, the situation around the stereotypes. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if the HIV uh, pan- epidemic was raging in New York City at this time. I should have probably looked that up. But it's a little too early. But but yeah. well, well, 1992. It was definitely we were kind of coming out of it, but it was still definitely there. But I think yeah. a lot of people ruled suicide because hell, look at the t- you know trans suicide rates in that community are high because it's like bullying, it's othering. You feel like you're, yeah. you know, and it, but suicide never felt right to me just because of how prominent Marsha. I mean, Marsha's basically saying, "I'll get my fucking head bashed in to protect yeah, these rights." Right. That's usually not a person who's going to commit suicide. Well, right, exactly. Um, Additionally, Marsha was found with a, quote, hole in her head, according to witnesses who watched her body pulled from the river. Friends and family insist that Marsha was not suicidal and that there's a lot of evidence to show that there was mafia ties to her death. Right. Jean Michaels, Marsha's sister, told the Netflix documentary that we keep referencing that she is still unaware of what happened to Marsha, saying, quote, I really don't know anything. We really don't know anything about that, end quote, which is like, that's another thing. It's like, can we can we as true crime sleuths look into documents, you know, can we can we make FOIA requests to get, you know, 
the autopsy and all the other details we can to try to figure out exactly what the hell happened here. We probably will never know. Well, in the doc, I think they do the best that they can. Yeah, they definitely do. I, I agree. And in this documentary where Victoria Cruz, a transgender activist and volunteer of the New York City Anti-Violence Project, takes on Marsha's case herself, as we were just mentioning, Marsha's roommate, Randy Wicker, insists that there was no way Marsha could have been suicidal, saying, quote, well, it certainly was not suicide. That was an insult to the family. No way could Marsha in any way commit suicide, end quote. And I just want to take a minute here and just say that, you know, the realities about suicide and the depression that comes before that is that you never really know. And this is not to discredit the people that knew Marsha, by the way. But the reality is suicide and the depression around that is so deeply personal. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not discrediting the people that knew her. I'm sure they know way better than anyone else, of course. But, you know, I I've, I hear this so often from so many um, friends of victims of suicide that it's like, that's the point. The reality is like they have to hide their true feelings so deeply that you know, it's a tragic reality that they're struggling in such a monumental way internally. And we, you know, I hope people understand that. There's like freedom and death, you know, in in that way, I think for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But justice could not be served because to many people, the police seem to just forget about Marsha's death. Randy has was a big outspoken critic of the police, as seen in the documentary with that original footage, insisting that police just didn't care about the case because Marsha was one of the tra- many transgender people who were murdered and forgotten about. Um, and that's one thing I love about HRC because they're they're shining a spotlight on these deaths in a way that's like, by the way, don't forget these people just because they're transgender does not mean they should be overlooked or forgotten, which I and think that's, happens so often. And to bring it back into something I care about, that's why I love the Innocence Project, because it just it takes on right. these cases of these people that are just regardless of their sexuality. These are just innocent people. Um, yeah. It's sitting in jail. Um, And that's that's a tragedy in and of itself. And so they're kind of representing these on these marginalized communities in their own way. For sure. Randy goes on to say more recently, but quote, but let's face it, the police department, they had made up their mind. This case is over with. We don't want to be bothered. This is a nobody. This isn't a person, end quote, which is still, you know, something that I think people face in in modern day police department. Mm-hmm. In the documentary, it's insinuated that the mafia could be responsible for the death of Marsha. At the time of Marsha's death, there were rumors that the mafia were the ones controlling and profiting off of gay pride parades, right. which I found fascinating in the documentary, oh, yeah. um, that were new and, you know, being organized throughout the New York City area. And Randy Wicker also was trying to take control of the pride parades so that it was more representational of the people it was about and not the mafia. Right. By the way, gay people should be handling pride. Let's just, or LGBTQ people, we should say. Um, In the documentary, Victoria Cruz discovers evidence that Randy Wicker was threatened by the mafia for trying to take control of the pride parade as well. All of this circumstantial evidence leads up to the same reality, which is that Marsha P. Johnson was likely murdered and her killer was never found. According to the New York Times, quote, later in 1992, the authorities reclassified the cause to drowning from undetermined causes. And in 2012, they agreed to take a fresh look at the case, which officially remains open. Yeah, in the in the doc, they do insinuate that whether or not Marsha might have been shot in the head. I mean, you know. They did, they did, even though people had sort of described this gaping hole, that does kind of happen if your body has been um, sitting in water for any given of time. There is like this mm. deterioration of flesh that can kind of be caused. And so yeah. there is sort of this open assumption that whether or not she was shot in the back of the head, was she being chased? Did she trip? Did she fall into the, the river? Like, right. that's really easy. And in that sense, you know, she was scared for her life and running to defend herself. And so there's a lot of up in the airs that I'm kind of hoping um, that could get solved with better tech, better science. So here's how you guys can help. The HRC has great advice on what we all can do to help make transgender issues visible and not stigmatize or stereotype. You could support artists, athletes, activists, political leaders, and other transgender public figures who are sharing their stories and lived experiences. Uplift these individuals by elevating their projects, sharing their work among your personal network and communities. We must also ensure the transgender and non-binary voices have a seat at the table where decisions are being made that impact their communities. I often say that, like, for me, 
you know, people are like, how do you be an ally? How do you be an ally? It's like, I don't really know how to be an ally. I know how to not be an ally. And so anything that you know, <laughs> right. like, that's what I know, you know, like yeah. you don't have to, you know, be it's on the picket line to be an to, ally. You yeah, can right. treat a transgender person because they're a human being, like a right. normal human being. And that's being yeah. an ally. You know, like I don't like all the like, you got to give up, you got to do this, you got to do that. It's like, or you could just treat them with respect and right. call that a day. Like right. that's fine sure. too. Like, right. You can treat people like human beings, as you just With respect. Right. Um, Another thing you can do, stigma against transgender and gender nonconforming people can take many forms, including lack of acceptance by friends and family, a hostile political climate and negative stereotypes, or lack of representation in pop culture and media. All these factors lead to their dehumanization and increase their risk of experiencing violence. Again, it's this otherness, this dehumanizing... Uh, perspective that Darren just touched on. Re- you, one of the things that I think is it, everybody can do very easily is to reject transphobic language and have conversations with those around you who may need to learn more. Darren, you made a great point earlier. It's not about screaming in the other person's face or getting hot-headed when somebody, you know, uses derogatory terms. The reality around that is that people, you know, unless they are educated on why some of these derogatory terms are derogatory they're, they're going to keep using them. So take right, a moment and, all, and say, and all, hey, wait a minute. You know, that word is not acceptable. Also possible that those people are are unaware. And so yeah. it's it's good not to come at it with screaming. And it's good to come at it with a little empathy, uh, sure. depending on who you're talking to. And raise the profile of transgender and non-binary leaders in your community. Elevate their concerns. Support their work. In addition, more and more transgender and non-binary people are running for elected offices. So yeah. working on their campaigns supporting other pro-equality elected officials who are committed to addressing anti-transgender violence is imperative. New York City, for example, uh, you know, big election day the other day, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, people who are kind of addressing the trans panic issue or not in your city could be a huge thing. Um, That doesn't mean that they're right on all other issues, but if that's your main issue, that's going to be very important, you know? Yeah. And I would say, you know, if people are running for offices who are empathetic towards trans people, I mean, to me, that's a character uh, attribute, right? Like it tells me that there are people that are aware of this very important and, you know, dehumanizing struggle that, that, that people are dealing with. So that to me says something. HRC also says that we should help ensure local law enforcement are able to create safe communities for transgender and non-binary people. Too often, transgender and non uh, gender nonconforming people lack explicit protections from discrimination. And by including gender identity and non-discrimination policies, we can ensure transgender and gender nonconforming people feel safe in their jobs and public in public accommodations, and of course, in their daily lives. Absolutely. So, you know, hold your local law enforcement accountable as well and see how they feel and go to those town hall meetings and by the way, this doesn't even just have to apply to, you know, transgender rights. This can apply to Anything. any minority that is being underserved or in the any issue. Any issue yeah, you give any a shit issue. about. Any yeah. issue. Yeah. Uh, well, since the last episode, the Marsha P. Johnson Institute has created the National Resource List for Transgender Community. The new yeah. list enables transgender individuals to find local resources for holistic health, from employment to trans-friendly physicians to legal care and trans-owned businesses. The resource finder identifies national and regional organizations that can help across 10 topic areas. 12 national organizations are identified, as well as those across 17 states. Uh, as awareness of the list and with it new and with its new resources grows, the list will continually be updated and expanded. You can mm-hmm. find the list in our show notes if you're interested. Um, I don't want to read it because it'll sound too uh, haphazard. Yeah, but it's yeah, definitely yeah. in our show notes, and you could just fucking Google it, and you'll be fine. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, and I just love that it's the Marsha P. Johnson Institute that's doing it's this a- because you know this is fulfilling her name in a way that you couldn't you couldn't possibly be honoring Marsha in in a more um, in a better way, you know, yep. that's really it. The uh, Marsha P. Johnson Institute seeks to eradicate systemic community and physical violence that silences the community from actualizing freedom, joy, and safety. In part, this mission is addressed, this is straight from their website, by the way, in part, this mission is addressed through locating culturally competent resources for basic necessities like housing, food security, legal and financial support. Now, of course, COVID-19 relief, health, wellness, employment, social support, and more. Um, the list that you know we're referencing here, the um, the national resource list for the transgender community, 
includes black TGNC-inclusive resources for all of these basic necessities listed by state and organized by asset. And of course, if you're listening to this and you are checking out this list and you see a resource that needs to be updated or know of a resource that could be valuable, you can in, you can email info at marshap.org. Because like we, you know, the other thing is we have a lot of very compassionate, thoughtful listeners who are very uh, progressive on the trans community. So we love you guys for for supporting that. And you know, yeah, Darren, any last thoughts about Marsha P before we wrap up the episode? You know, just that like even if this isn't your number one issue, which I get, right. I don't think anyone should be forced to have this be their number one issue. I do think it's a really good doc, and it's she's a really interesting person to understand the history in this country of just understanding human rights, um, as opposed to even just transgender rights, just what human beings should be fighting for, how to kind of do it at a local level and make a big splash in that way. I mean, I think it says a lot that 40, 50 years later, the person that we kind of revere the most in our community happens to be a black, queer, yeah. uh, you know, transgender, transgender person. I think woman, that yeah. I think that says a lot about um, our community. Yeah. And I think that people should want to be interested in it. Again, we're not shoving it down your throat. I just think that it's a really interesting person to know if you yeah. want to understand the history of not only this country, but of gay rights. Yeah. I agree completely. Shall we end on, uh, as Marsha would have wanted, should we end on a positive note, darling? <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Well, let's move right into the listener shout outs because Aaron in our Facebook group posted a really, I think, completely out of control, radical I don't know. I don't um, image I was perfect. that was making fun of my Crocs. Yep. Okay. Saying, quote, Crocs are dangerous. You buy them thinking these will be great for around the house. Then suddenly grocery store, Crocs, mall. Crocs, yep. birthday party, Crocs, wedding, Crocs. I mean, Darren's not wrong. Aaron's not wrong. Well, Darren, I actually found it very interesting because you even commented saying that Crocs are a gateway drug to more Crocs. <laughs> okay, so I think everyone needs to. A calm lot of down. people agreed with me on that. I'm just saying, once you I know. once you break that barrier of being like, yeah, I'm gonna wear socks with sandals today. It's like there's no going back. It's like sweatpants. We're not gonna right. go back to that. Like. Athleisure yeah. is here. Once you find out how comfortable a croc is, you're in more oh. crocs, people. It is the gateway shoe. Well, let me say this. You know, what's not mentioned in that list from the meme that Aaron posted is um, post office crocs, which is yep. Yep. definitely, I've definitely worn my crocs into the post office. I'm not going to lie about that. Um, no, I don't it think. It is what I, it is. I don't, I know? think people knew that without you even saying it. I mean, <laughs> right. I could have predicted it, but I'm right. glad you've clarified. Thank you for being sure. honest. You're Thank welcome. you for being honest. Yeah. Kristen, our Facebook group, also posted a great picture of what appear to be radicios, saying, I got very excited at the farmer's market when I saw this. My boyfriend was very confused. <laughs> this is how we like to keep it among the heterosexual couples. Keep the women informed. Uh -huh. Keep the men ignorant and guessing. confused and guessing. <laughs> that is how we fucking like to keep it well, shaken and disturbed. This image was so fascinating. First of all, I love that she got excited about Radicchios. What other Radicchios. What other podcast is doing this with their fans? None. So that's that. I want to say, though, you know, I asked um, my um, Amazon Echo what the Italian translation of radishes is, and it said radicchios. But the picture that Krista posted was not a radish. It was like a little ball of like lettuce, like a Brussels sprout. So I'm confused personally. I will continue to stay guessing, as we just said. But um, nonetheless, radicchios were um, out and about in the wild, and people got excited for it. What more can you ask for? You can't help that you can roll your R's, baby. Radicchio. I can't do that. You're. Fa I'm fascinated. Can you just you try? Can you try? No, I won't even try. That's how bad. I literally, just I cannot. Just give me a little do, try. Give me no, a little try. I can't do it. That's my point. I can't even try. It's like, I, it doesn't happen. It's sad. sad. No, it is sad. My I'm life is sad. sad. Well, and of course, if you want to um, check out our merch, it is finally available. You can get a t-shirt, a hoodie, pillow, no Crocs. Toe. Oh. No, not Crocs, uh, although not that would be no. interesting. Okay. Whatever you want, you can click the link in our merch store in the show notes of this episode and make sure to tag us like most of you have been doing on social media when you've received your merch. I will say I'm working on the next wave of merch, so it'll be coming soon. Will there be a daddy cat and a mama bear? Stay tuned and They find might out. be. I also yeah. wanted to just say, obviously, the best way you can support the show directly by signing up to become yeah. a Patreon subscriber. You get bonus episodes, discount codes for merch, and so much more for as little as $5 a month. You can actually get it cheaper if you sign up annually. 
Obviously, if you can't do that, no problem. We just appreciate a rate, a review, and subscribe. That is That's obviously right. how we get seen. And I will say, yesterday as I was walking to Andy's, I ran into somebody. She was like, oh, my God, like, you're Darren. Like, I listened to your podcast, like, Martinis and Murder, right? And I was like, yeah, we we have that a new one. one. I was like, we watched we launched a new one, Shaken and Disturbed. She's like, oh, my God, I'll listen. And I was kind uh-huh. of thinking about it, and I think a lot of people think that Shaken and Disturbed is strictly on Patreon. Uh, we're not. We do get free episodes more than we don't. So I think that's kind of why I think there was some maybe confusion sure. in the messaging. So if anyone ever asks, yes, we are on Patreon, but we aren't exclusively on Patreon. So that's you can listen to so us true. publicly for Our free murder- because we're those types of people. Yeah, that's right. Our murder episodes are available every Sunday or, right. or Monday morning, depending on, you know, when I get around to posting that episode, because sometimes I mess up the and schedule. And my mom gets mad And your you. mom calls you and you get All to hell breaks the breaks of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, lastly, we want to say, of course, to thank, thank you to Megan, who is, of course, a big part of our show. So one, two, three. Thanks, Thanks Megan. Megan. We love you. And we, we love, love Marsha P. Johnson. Megan and that's Marsha right. P. That's it. Love it. And we'll see you guys. We're going to recap our uh, Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, our Patreon live stream on the next episode. Lots to discuss. And thank you guys for supporting us all this, you know, all through Pride Month and and every month of the year. And have a very happy 4th of July. That's right. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.